This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Sunshine Carpet Clean. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty and the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 68. Today's guest is Alex Cap. Alex played George's girlfriend, Mora, in the season nine episode of Seinfeld, The Strong Box. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Thirsty. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. This podcast is Making Me Thirsty, episode 68. Alex Cap. Enjoy. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans is episode 68. Today's guest is a writer and actress. She was a member of the Groundlings comedy troupe. You know her from the new adventures of old Christine, Maggie Winters. You've seen her on Friends, Will and Grace, ER, and Two and a Half Men. And of course, she played George's girlfriend, Mora, in the season nine Seinfeld episode, The Strong Box. Please welcome Alex Cap. Alex, thanks for joining Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Alex, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Dartmouth grad, of course. Uh, we're, we're yeah, of course. Whatever yeah. that means, yes. Uh, Someone smarter than us. We like that. Um, <laughs> so take us back. 1998, um, I know you're early in your acting career. You did a little party of five, et cetera. Like, tell us how the, the role of Mora came about. Was there an audition? Um, tell us a little bit of, about the, the role of Mora. Okay. Well, yes, there was an audition. It was a weirdly enough. So Seinfeld was shot at, well, you guys know this, but shot at a studio called CBS Radford. So it's a sleepy little studio. It's just a great place. It's just like this happy, I don't know. Everybody loves Radford because you get there and you're like, there's not, it's not like high stress. No one's guards are coming after you. Anyway, it was a Saturday morning audition, which I would, I would say I've had one Saturday morning audition in my life. And that would have been for Seinfeld. So this is not a common thing. Um, unfortunately for me, it came in Friday night. I was already out and drinking. So <laughs> at that point, when they said, you've got, you've got an audition for Seinfeld and this is season nine. So, you know, it's not like, I, well, I'll just do whatever and I'll see if I'll just, you know, see what shit flies. You know, it was kind of a, a lot of pressure, but truth be told, I'd already, you know, I'd already had a couple. So I was like, well, what's the point of stopping now? So I didn't. Uh, but then I went home and then I woke up for this audition and, you know, I didn't feel great. Uh, so I put on, I was wearing this, I just remember this so well, cause I was wearing a silk shirt, but I was like super sweating because, you know, I'd had a little, I'd been overserved the night before. So right. I kind of fell into this hallway and there were all these people sitting in the hallway and meanwhile, just for the record, I mean, never in a million freaking years was I like, I'm going to book this. I mean, it was like such a long shot anyway. And when I walked into the hallway, it was like one well-known or famous actress lined up after the other, after the other. And I was like, oh my God, forget it. I'll just, whatever. I'll just do what I got to do and get on out of here and go home and go back to bed. <laughs> so <laughs> it came time. And, uh, and so they called my name, Mark Hirschfeld, casting director, called my name. And I walked in and in the room was Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. And, you know, it's pretty it was pretty exciting because it's not like, you know, it's a big deal. And so Jerry was like, I'll be reading with you. So he read with me 
And I just remember saying the word no. And I felt like the room shift. And I sort of saw them look at each other, like Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld looked at each other. And I was like, wait, did I just say no? Like, I couldn't believe (laughs) there was a reaction. So I just kind of kept doing my thing. I felt like I kind of nailed it. But it still, I was like, there's no way I'm booking this thing. There's no way. I mean, like, they're going to hire one of the millions of other people in this hallway, including Ileana Douglas, who was also in my episode. Ah, yes. So I sat back down, and I'm, that's after I was done and my adrenaline had started wearing off, I was like, God, I don't feel great at all. So I was just sort of sitting there, wiping my brow and upper lip. And then um, a bunch of people went in. And then... Uh, Mark came back out and he said, all right, everybody, thank you so much. And I just remember picking up my bag and I started out the door and he's like, wait, Alex, where are you going? I was like, what do you mean? Where am I going? <laughs> I don't know. Home. And he's like, no, 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 hold on. You, you, you got the part. I was like, what do you mean I got the part? He's like, and then Ileana Douglas stood up and he was like, Ileana, you're going to play this part. And Alex, you just got, that never happens in front of everybody ever. Like, not before or since did I ever book a job in, I mean, I've gotten jobs in the room, but not in front of everybody, which doesn't feel great for the other people. But at that point I was like, sorry. So yeah, I got it. Couldn't believe it. And I went to work that day. We had a table read like five minutes later. This is the story wow. we keep hearing, man. It's crazy. It yeah. was awesome. It's incredible how they just, they just yeah. try to figure out how they're the only ones that do it that way. It sounds like, right. Where they book you right you after know, audition, you go right to a table read. Sometimes Chuck Laurie will take like, They'll, they'll sometimes hire on the spot, which is kind of cool too. Like, I think I actually got two and a half men somewhat the same way, but you just are sort of in the room and then and Chuck Laurie will wait, make you, everybody wait. And then you all sit there everybody has to go in, in your category. And then once everybody's gone, then they're, and then they come back and they say, everybody go home, except you stay here or something. And you're like, Oh, so it's kind of feels shitty because you're feel bad for the other people, but then you kind of don't cause you've been the other people every other time. So <laughs> right. it's like. So were you no. just auditioning for Mora? I know you mentioned uh, Elena yeah. Douglas. Did she also go she after Mora? She was also auditioning for Mora. Oh, wow. Well, what's really yeah. interesting, you mentioned Larry David was there. I mean, so that was season nine. And yeah, the, the thought was he just came back for the finale, but he was actually in the room for some of these later episodes, huh? He was in the room. Yeah, he was in the room. It was, And it was weird that Jerry Seinfeld, I would have assumed it would have been like, Jason Alexander reading with me because at that point they were in the last few episodes. So, but it wasn't, it was Jerry reading with me and Larry right behind him. And I don't think Andy was there. I don't think Andy was in the room, but, and then, you know, I worked with Andy for five years after that on Christine. Christine. So that was kind of cool. The, um, the no you're referring to is the no that you say to, to George when he's like, we're breaking up your initial, pretty much your one of your first lines, if not your first line of the whole show, right. Where you're just like, yeah, like that, 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 um, I don't know what the word is. I guess it's, uh, you know, ambivalence to getting the position, to getting the role that you mentioned going into the audition is the same sort of flippant attitude that your character has. So maybe having that Apparently. attitude, you know, it's just, you're just like, no, sorry, not happening. It's just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that sometimes, mentality. sometimes I don't want to make put out that, that I'm like literally having a cocktail and talking about how I was, you know, drunk the night before that audition. I don't, I'm not like a big drunk, but I do think sometimes not having the nerves, like sometimes just being a little off can be really helpful. And I think that particular morning also, there was literally zero expectation I was going to get that job. There there wasn't a single piece of me and not in a sad, like I'm a loser way, but just kind of like, I'm not going to get this job. It's the final season of Seinfeld. That's like, it's just, nobody thinks they're going to get that job. 
Right. So, so, so how does that work? So you got the call Friday night, your agent calls you, you're out doing whatever. And then what does he tell you anything about the role? Like what it's about? Like, who is this more a girl? Like, like, how do you know? You, you just, just get this, you just get the sides and then you just look at them and then you just read them. I mean, you there's nothing for any other Seinfeld episodes to that point. I don't think I have, have heard actually gotten called. We, we've had a couple of guests who have said they've, you know, try, they've been auditioning for a while and then they just got, no, to the I don't, I think that was it. I think that was why it was cool. I don't think I ever had, I think I'd probably you remember a fan of the show by this point. I mean, mm, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. But you know, that's why I think it was just so unlikely. It just was so, it was, yeah, it was in my mind, never going to happen. So the fact that it did happen was pretty awesome. And what was, you mentioned it was the last season, like, again, your expectations were low and then you got it. It was incredible. Like, what was kind of the the vibe on the set? Like, was it business pro. as usual? Just pro? Yeah. Just pro, like, they were such a well-oiled machine. There was no, no, I just, it was like everybody knew exactly what they were. You just felt like you were in, like. So a, a world like I'll never have this again. This every single person there was like the, at the top of their field. Every camera person, everybody on the crew, all four, six. I can't remember. I think is Newman in that one? Is he? Was Wayne? I, no. I can't remember. But but like you know everybody. And then yeah, the guy that with the with the he was awesome. The guy that had the part with the he owned the parrot. You know the Phil. guy with the yes. Phil. He yeah, was Phil. awesome. Yeah. Like he was. He and I were both like. <laughs> like, how do we do this it was great i've seen him a little bit around he's a great guy like just a solid really good guy actor whatever ever. but yeah it was like there was nothing it was just they were just there was a little you could feel a little sort of oh it's winding down and a little sort of punchy sadness a little i think knowing that it was almost over but man almighty like you do not want to screw around with those people because they are heavyweight comedians and and directors and assistant directors and makeup artists they were all just like at the top of their field so pretty cool right and and you so you started in the groundlings right so that's uh kind of the the uh improv land if you will yep. um was this so you know on the set any of that come up we had talked to other um you know improv background actors who, who did kind of were allowed during you know, not during taping, but during rehearsals and stuff like that to kind of come up with your own thing a little bit here and there. Did any of that go on with you where you were? I would no more have dared to mess with Larry <laughs> David's, right? Like, I was like, I don't know. I just like, there are certain times where I all just like, you know, if something's really sh shitty, I'll start messing with it, but not, it's so the disrespectful. Talking to the Apple was written that way? The talking to um, the Apple was written that way? I don't remember. It must have been. I would never try to claim credit for that. Right. I think that's the line of the show. It has to have been written. There's yeah, no. Yeah, but you fatigue. delivered it. That you delivered it perfectly. Like I just said, that's the line of the show for sure. You that's have a awesome. brown spot. Yeah, like you know, Mr. Apple. It's yeah. so weird. It's so weird. So yeah, I don't think I messed around with any of the writing. I don't think I would have dared mess mess around with that. And then you asked me something else that I wanted to answer because I can't remember what you just asked me. But all the booze. Just kidding. I just it's my first cocktail. I um, guess like was there any uh, improv like. Um, that oh. happened that or well, like something even that didn't make the cut. I don't remember, but what I will say is off camera, like Jason Alexander, I think I will credit forever the Groundlings for for starting my career. Like the Groundlings is the greatest 
melting pot of comedy. It's also, you know, there's all sorts of annoying parts about it, which is just like the lobby alone, just everybody right. competing to be the funniest guy in the room is exhausting. But I'll tell you what, that place just, that's what launched everything for me. Like, I don't think I would have even gotten in a room the, the year or two before. Like I'd booked my first pilot in 1997. So there was like just a year or two before I would never have even gotten to that place had I not sort of had this, I was getting into the main company right at that same time. So I was pretty skilled. I wasn't a great writer at the Brownlings. I was super resi resistant to writing and very um, slow. Like Chris so Parnell and I went to both. Yeah. How did, so how did, I know you moved from New York city, like how did the grambling things like come about? Like, I mean, obviously there's, there's a ton of talent yeah. in that organization. Like who, anyone that obviously, who, who were you closest with the time you were there? Um, I came up with, uh, well, I'm really close with Mike McDonald on not some oh, yeah. I mean, Yes, we are. He's terrifying, but I just love him more than I just he love him. He came up to, yeah, he's hilarious. Um, Chris Parnell and I were really close. We wrote yeah, together a lot. Um, Anna Gasteyer and I came up together and then it was funny because right. And Will Forte, um, I'm just trying to think of all the people, a, lot a bunch of, of writers. Of for of us with all that no, I didn't want to. It's sort of oh, funny. I, it's a whole backstory, but I don't like working at night. That's, I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. But even when I waited tables, I was like, can I do lunches? I just hate the idea that I can't do anything all day because I know I have to work later. I know how crazy that sounds, no, but I just wasn't. Crazy. And also, I struggled so much. And I don't want to throw Chris Parnell under the bus because he's a genius. And the best sketch I ever wrote was with Chris. We wrote it together. And holy crap, it was the best thing we ever, I ever wrote in the Groundlings. But but we were just like, there were people, there was a guy named Stephen Craig. And I just worked on a show. And he, I just saw that he was, he's one of the exact producers. But this guy like pumped out sketch after sketch. And I was like, God damn it. And some people were like really gifted in improv. And I was always terrified to do improv. You know, I wasn't like, I was an, I was only a natural because I'm funny naturally. Like, but there are people, you know, I ended up teaching there for a bit when I was pregnant with my first kid. Mm. You know, there are a lot of really humorless people who try to take classes at the groundlings and, and that's an interesting thing too. I wasn't one of them and I wasn't like the, I think what it did was give me and like, I wouldn't have done SNL because I just didn't want to write that much. It's too hard. <laughs> it's too hard. It's a lot. It's hard. Yeah, so. that show hasn't been funny in twenty years either. But listen, you just mentioned your kid, and you mentioned off air. You mentioned your kid started watching Seinfeld. She's up to season eight. Yeah, what's her? I just, I'm just curious. Like today's younger generation, what's her take on Seinfeld? Does it still resonate? Like, are the oh my god, she thinks it. And she's I have two kids. I'm 18, and one's turning 21 on Sunday. But the 18 year old is watching it. And she's like, it's the funniest goddamn show on TV. Like she's, <laughs> she cannot get enough of it. And she, I you know I'll go up to her room. I'm like, are you, are you still? And she's like, yeah, I can't turn it off. She's just, it's on a loop now. So she, and all of her friends. So it's kind of a weird thing. It's like what happened with friends a few years ago when that came out on streaming, everybody watched it. Like I, yeah. I got, just cut all my hair off and my friend's 12 year old daughter was like, oh my God, you've got the Rachel. I was like, no, don't do that. Cause that's <laughs> 30 years ago. But yeah, she thinks it's brilliant. It is because it is. It, it sort of it holds up. The first couple seasons are super weird, but then you know they're just different. But it holds up. Yeah, I mean we're we're partial to seasons three, five, two, three, four, and five. Three and five hmm. are our favorites. Um, well, obviously Why? we like we. What's that? Why? Why? Yeah. Oh, we like, do. It's just it's. it's oh, I could take it, I guess. But it's it's George. You know, it's the slice of life stuff. The his. Yeah, uh, I that's think what I was doing. Yeah. 
Listen, it's the greatest sitcom. Two different shows, really. I have it back here, but yeah, there's just George and Elaine become two. Not it's not in a bad way. They become kind of two different characters in like in the second half of the run. Um, But listen, the ratings speak for themselves. You 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 can't argue with the uh, with the beauty of the show. And and there's a natural thing, I think. Sorry, I cut you off. Keep going. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I was going to say there's always a natural thing with any. I think with shows that last ten years nine years, something like that. There's this midpoint and it's usually season five, which is yeah. seems like 10 years is a long run for a show, but season five, like I notice it's still or like a show that's really good. That has like, let's just say it's like a, a single cam comedy. That's got some heart, but it's not like they're not very special episodes or anything like that, but there's, it's got some, a little bit of drama in it. And then all of a sudden they'll start doing like wacky, you know, like music on season five. I'm like, wait, what the, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? It's like the franchise changes when the characters start making, when the actors start making more money and everybody starts making money on the back end, that all of a sudden they're like milking it. And then it just gets broader right. and broader exactly. and broader. And so you're like, I don't believe this stupid show anymore. And then you don't oh, want to watch it. it. And then they get canceled. <laughs> so yeah. you're you welcome. Go. I was in that season. So thank you very much. And you're welcome <laughs> for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hey, you give me that ooh, Mr. Apple line any day to week. Yeah. Right there. But, but clearly the show had a huge impact for you on many levels, right? Um, obviously Andy Ackerman, uh, Julia, mm-hmm. Peter Melman. Like, Melman so tell us a little bit about how the whole uh, old Christine thing came about. Was it from this appearance? Oh, she had... No idea who I was. Not a You're clue. Kidding. And I was like, I met you on Seinfeld. She's like, that's great. And I was like, oh, no idea. Which is totally <laughs> fine. It wasn't bitchy. It just was. Right, right, right. She's a busy, very prolific, wealthy, busy woman. So she's <laughs> not like, hey, that girl was on Seinfeld. I, I would be willing to bet she never watched any of it ever. You know, she's kind of a regular person on, on the other side of it. But no, she had no idea. And old Christine, what was so great about it is. It was after I'd had kids. So I kind of, you know, didn't mean to, but when you get pregnant and have children and then gain 70 pounds on the first one, that changes things for you because you are a, you know, fat and then B also, then you have kids. And so you takes a little chunk out. So I was sort of on the back end of having my kids and just fell into this, you know, it's just an audition like any other audition. And then we went to the table read and I met Trisha, my best friend, and I'm living in her guest house right now. So you can like literally when I point, it's because she's right over there. Um, she and I met and there was just this weird chemistry. We just kind of both felt it. And she tells a very famous story. Like we were sitting at the table read. She was very nervous. I love table reads. That's like my sweet spot. I just, I'd rather like you hand me the script right there and I'll start it. I don't need to see it first. I just love the spontaneity of that. But so she opened this little like decorative pill box. And she was like, here, they were like little herbal calm pills. And she opened it and she said, here, do you want? And I literally grabbed it and put it in my mouth and swallowed it. And she's like, did you want to know what that was? And I was like, that's so fine. But like we became, we just instantly had this connection and we shot the pilot for old Christine. And then we got a call, I don't know, a day later saying, hey, we want you as regulars. So it was like the sweetest gig ever because we didn't have to. Normally, if you're a regular on a show, you have to go through a very long process of audition after audition after work work session, audition, network, you know, studio test, network test, maybe another thing. And then eventually they give it to you. This was like we had one audition. We each booked a job thinking it was a week. And then we had a a job for five years. This is Trisha O'Kelly. Yeah, this is Trisha O'Kelly. That's a great great story. And uh, yeah, the old Christine show for some 
I thought that was right after Seinfeld, but that was like eight years after Seinfeld. No, it was a long time later. Yeah. 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 Um, so you and, and you, think, also yeah. you also mentioned uh, Andy Ackerman was part of that show. So Andy was, remembered me. So was he an influencer? <laughs> he, he was, was not. Of course, I, yeah. Uh, I, but he had to, was he an influence at all in casting? No. You mean hold on? You're cutting out a little bit. That's why I'm, I'm just like because it oh, got choppy. Sorry. Was he was he an influence on me? Was, was he an well, yes, but was he an influence in, in casting you at all, or no? Had nothing to do with that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think so, but I don't. I doubt it. I think, but but Andy's like the greatest, one of the greatest living human beings of all time. He probably he probably wouldn't have even you know. So you do whatever you want to do. I don't know actually, but I would I would like to think that I I have to think that having a, a Seinfeld nice big juicy guest star in Seinfeld does not hurt. Well, was Hirschfeld I mean, I, the 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 casting director on Old Avengers of New Christine or no? No, it was um, Tracy Lillianfield was the first season or two, and then they switched. So, and I'm not sure why. I think she was maybe just the first season or maybe the first pilot, but it was Tracy Lillianfield. But they're all connected. So Tracy has known Mark. They've all known each other forever. And then, but what's weird is Mark Hirschfeld was partners with a, a casting director named Meg Lieberman who cast yeah. Party of Five. And so that was my first, like, I had like three lines on Party of Five, you know, it was, I was just a little kid. And she was friends with this one, another casting director named Marsha Kleinman, who was a friend of my mom's, the only connection I had in Hollywood. And um, I actually spent the weekend of the riots with Marsha Kleinman holed up in her apartment because we were, we couldn't leave our houses because LA was on fire. And anyway, she introduced me to Meg and then eventually Meg gave me a little job on Party. I mean, I auditioned for it, but then. So and Meg and Mark Hirschfeld were partners. This is a really boring part of the my no, story. No, listen, I'm a we're a big party five guy. Was yeah, it who are. you Bailey's boyfriend, a girlfriend? Or, no, uh, I was literally like I had three lines. I was like a cashier. And it tells a little bit about uh, Peter Mellon. So uh, he wasn't on season nine of Seinfeld. So how'd you get how'd you get to know him? For, I didn't. Uh, like, I, no. I didn't really. I mean, that was just kind of like a weird, you know, crossing paths thing. But I didn't know Peter Mellon at all. I don't know where you're getting your facts. We just did on the show. We just thought there was a connection with Seinfeld, but I no, guess not. There's no connection. Just all every all these people work together. So yeah, like that's, what it sounds that's the like. thing. It's, you show it's up a on a smaller world than we think, I think. It's is what it so is. much smaller. I just yeah. worked for the first time since COVID and um on a head of the class reboot and I was basically playing the same character that I played on Old Christine, which was awesome with Robin Givens, which was also awesome because it's oh, just cool. so funny because she's but and all the, I, like, you know, everybody on this thing, I was like, oh my God, it was like, it's like old home week. Every, it's like a high school reunion. Every time you go to work on a TV show in LA. Wait, they're it's rebooting crazy. ahead of the class. Apparently. Yes. Yes. I'm not apparently. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> on yeah. For HBO Max. Yes. Speaking of, of reunions or, or parties and things like this, are we, were you at the rap party for season nine? Yes. <laughs> so I was at like the rap your... party for Seinfeld. But yeah, because I'm going to say, because that's your last yeah. season. So that must have been a pretty big bonanza, no? It was a huge bonanza on the stage. I have <laughs> four terrible paper photos of like the tops of people's heads. You know, like there's Jerry making a speech and it's like the heads and like a hand in front of it. And there's like a little teeny Jerry Seinfeld up like making a speech at the end. But yeah, it was awesome and fun and everybody was crying. And I actually didn't feel stupid being there because I had just been on one. So everybody was yeah. nice and kind of knew who I was. So I didn't feel like, you know, the loser's little sister who went to the senior fraternity party or whatever. So it was, it was great. And 
celebratory and everybody was fun and excited and sad and crying. And yeah, it was a, it was a blowout, like huge. And I pretty sure it lasted. I think it was like a, like a rager that lasted really late into the night. So, and it was at Radford, which was even sweeter on their stage. Everybody loves Radford. Everybody loves Radford. (laughs) Yeah. Not stage 10. It was the one right when you go stage 10 with Maggie Winters. It's the one where you walk straight in and it doesn't matter. First stage is you drive in the gig. So you mentioned you're, you just started working again, but I did notice you're, you're a divorce coach. I am. So <laughs> looking, looking for a new way to describe that, by the way, because I can't stand, because I feel like everyone's like, do you carry a whistle? I'm like, stop it. But it's um, just yeah. funny, like just watching that episode, like trying to take you out of that episode, I can't, but like George trying to break up with you and trying to, you know, and you just won't allow him. It's just the irony there. Now you're a. But now I'm a divorced, divorce coach. Yeah. There is some irony um, that, yeah, I just, in the last, you know, you get to be a certain age, 40 in Hollywood. And if you're not super famous or famous in my case at all, then you sort of stop working and not always, but like, it's harder and harder to get work or to at least make a living on it. So I, and also you just start feeling bad. Like, I don't want to keep having to be on a diet for the rest of my life. It's weird. I'm a grown up. I have children. I'm a really good mother. Like I have mm. a life and family and friends. I don't want to like just constantly be chasing the, you know, next gram of cocaine, which is the acting thing. So I got certified to help people get divorced, which is, you know, a really shitty thing to go through. So it's less shitty when you have somebody who has been through it, who actually knows what you could potentially be facing. And I, I, my job is really to like make people behave better. That's awesome because there's a lot of people that don't behave well. They're in. Uh, it's really gross, and yeah, I've heard so a lot I'm of horror stories. I, yeah, and I specialize in working with parents going through divorce whose goal is to keep their family from imploding. Like it's just if you don't put your kids first in a divorce, then I don't want to work with you because you're an asshole. Does that make sense? Agree. Yeah, I meant to that. Agree. Yeah, totally yeah. agree with that. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. Like you know, not just chasing everything. Like. And listen, it's a tough business, right? Like, unless you're on a, a hit show as a regular on Seinfeld, like, people think it's the glitz and glamour. But no, you're out there, like, auditioning nonstop. And yeah, you get residual checks from Seinfeld, I assume, here and there. But that's not going to... $57.10. That's <laughs> that's what it is? <laughs> and I get, like, three a year. Yeah. It's not big money on the residual end. And you get, um, you can't use it towards your health insurance after a certain point. So like, oh, Christine, I was making bank and residuals for the first few years because yeah. I was a regular. Mm. And then after I think there's just this point, which of course you don't know. I'm not like if I were going to be in finance or an accountant, I would have been in finance or an accountant, but I'm an actress who went to, you know. And so, yeah, like all of a sudden that ends and you're like, so wait, why can't I just keep getting health insurance off that? They're like, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. So you have to actually <laughs> keep working to right keep to your stay. insurance. Right. Yeah. And I, to your, to your point, like anything, it's a relationship business. So, you know, whether it's staying close with Ackerman uh, or people like that, I think that's important. Obviously head of the class, you, you kind of, it seems like, you know, everybody. So it's, it's good. Head of the class is Bill, head of the class is Bill Lawrence. And it's funny because Bill Lawrence who did, um, does Ted Lasso. And so, and his wife grew up in New York city. I grew up in New York city with her. She did the door. She was like a bouncer. She was the coolest girl I'd ever met in my life. She ran the door at a club called Nell's in the eighties okay. in New York. And I was an eighties kind of club kid in New York. So, uh, she was like my hero. She, she was really tall and scary and pretty. And she's still terrible. All of those things. Like she's really tall and scary 
and pretty and funny as shit. And so anyway, that I had done a pilot with them in 2013 and got fired and it like took me out at the knees because I was like, yeah, I'm doing this for all the 40 year old actresses. And I was on my way to go to New York and uh, my manager was like, yeah, you're out. And I was like, but, but, what? And then just collapsed. And then all of it, everything collapsed, like a whole thing. It was like this long journey of just shit. And then when I just got this job last week, I just, it was an, it was an offer, which was the most thrilling thing ever. I was like an offer. What is that? I haven't heard that word in years. (laughs) And I burst into tears because I was like, oh my God, it's like full circle bills. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty great. I was the whole week. I was like, I'm so happy to be here. It was awesome. I had like 10 lines, but I mean, I killed it. It was, you know, I'm playing another mean mom and I, and that, by the way, this last week, Bill was just like, try this, say this now, do this. And then Krista was like, I'm going to do this with you. Just go. And like, we just improv the shit out of it because it's a brand new show right. and it's a bunch of kids. So we can just do whatever we wanted. And it was super fun. And I'm going back. So it was awesome. awesome. I had the nice. best time ever. It was really fun. Very cool to hear. That's, that's awesome. 80s club kid, Jay. We, we, had, we talked to Jay McInerney, the guy who wrote that uh, TV guy behind O'Hara there. Were you uh, in his circles at all? No, but he'd he'd know what my circle was because that's really weird. Yeah, I had a. Um, I mean, I don't know if you did you do. Well, he probably did a little intel, but maybe not. Yeah, like I was in. I was in a. I, I, my first boyfriend murdered somebody. So and we're it aware. Was in New York. We're yeah. aware. So, we stay in our yeah. lane. This is a. Oh no, you can see, you can tell. So, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, we won't go into that. But yes, yeah, so I do know Jay McNerney. I know, like you know, we were all in the same idea of a world, and so yes, right, it was right. an interesting time. Yes. Yeah, the, we're, a few, we're like a you know ten years removed from that in the so we, you know yeah. the, the, the the 80s of New York City. I think was when I think of New York City, that's what I think of. I don't exactly. think of same the, here. The, the the it was glitzy then, but not like you it know was like, dirty. It was exactly scary. right. There was graffiti. Yeah. Yeah. There it was like this. The guy cleaned up by the time we got there in like the, the mid nineties, mid to late nineties. Yeah, like it was not the city. You know, you didn't go on. the I mean, like you didn't take the subway at night. You didn't like, there's just not, and I lived on the Upper East Side. So I was in this bubble, you know, this little sort of like private school, rich kid bubble, but I wasn't really part of that either. I mean, I was sort of a fraud in that world. So it was definitely an interesting time, but God, it was fun. Like now my mom, if she, if I tell my mom stuff, she's like, I don't know where I was. I was like, I don't know where you were either because you were an eighties parent and all the seventies parents. You were just like going to your overeaters anonymous meetings and like going to your community theater plays that you were in and, you know, taking classes and finding yourself. I was your child who was, you know, clubbing and hanging out with people doing drugs at six in the morning when I was 15. So that's just what it was back then. It was just a different, different world. Yeah. But but, I mean, kudos to you for having to deal with all that, turned it around Packed your bags, moved to LA, and like you made something of yourself, and you continue to do that. And you pivoted to the divorce coach, and now you got another job. Like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of the, the American way, and I just salute you for that. Thank you. I'm, I'm having a good week. I will tell you that. I, I, things are going just, I, can't, I haven't been able to say that in a long time. There have been some dark times, but I'm one of those people that like COVID was the best thing that ever happened. I just had the best time. I, I just felt like it was the great equalizer, and I didn't have to keep trying to keep up plus remember i went to this really t- tony fancy college too so yeah, in high school not, yeah. so all my friends are in finance like and run freaking you know hedge funds so everybody's you know giving the school a hundred million dollars a year and i'm like i can't even get i you know i'm like collecting unemployment so it's like it's a different it's a different i've got a lot of that coming from all directions but man almighty i'm having a really good time in my life right now 
awesome to hear. I'm so glad about that. Well, listen, but before we let you go, Alex, your favorite Seinfeld episode besides the one you were in. Do you have one? Oh, God. I mean, I don't want to be all like generic. Be generic. I mean, you probably talk about it with your daughter. She probably comes up and mentions some shows, and you probably, you know. I was trying to think what, I mean, I, I want to say Soup Nazi, but I guess just because I'm, I don't know. That was something that was like an experience that happened so much in my own, because I grew up in New York. And yeah. So they really knew New York, even though it was shot here. But there were so many of those people in my life. Like, I was friends with my hot dog guy for 25 years, like Basilios. Well, he went back yeah. to Greece, but. The New York you know, soup Nazi I, like, thing. I was always what? sorry to interrupt you. I was just sorry to interrupt you, but the New York soup Nazi thing always makes me think of Colin Quinn had a joke in his New York story uh, where there's two lines in in uh, in New York for people that know what they want, people that don't know what they want. Like, you don't know what you want, wait over there next. Like, you don't know what yes. you want, wait over there next. I mean, yes. that's, everyone's got that, you know, and that's basically what the soup Nazi is in a nutshell. But we're not yeah. big on catchphrases per se, but the episode itself does capture. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, like I think it's just that kind of thing. Like, I'm still a New Yorker at heart. I mean, I've lived here for 30 years, but I'm still a New Yorker. Like, there's still a weird speed thing. We move a little faster. And, yeah. You know, my younger kids at, going to school there, not trying, she'll never come back. But she's like having the time I had when I was 18 and it's super jealous. But, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You just like, you know, you come back from New York and you're like, why are people standing waiting for the lights to change to walk across the street? It's stupid. Right, it's stupid. Right, just right, walk right. across the street. Keep your eyes open. If you don't want to get hit by a car, look at the cars coming. Don't get hit by a car. It's so weird. I don't get it still. So, exactly. Yeah. There you go. New York. Well, listen, and COVID's been, COVID was, I don't want to say good to us, but it, it's what um, spawned this whole thing. It spawned this podcast. So, there we Did go. Did it? Yeah. yeah. Well, we started it pretty much uh, you know, early April, right when the shit hit the fan there. Good and, uh, for you. And it's funny, Trisha and I did a, we did just for shits and giggles, we made a video. My younger daughter, my older daughter's an editor, some, whatever. She's a lot of things, but she's a really good editor and uh, has a big YouTube channel and all that shit. And she was like, I'll edit it for you. So we did one video thinking like, oh, this thing will last, like we called it coronavirus back. I mean, it was like brand new. And we did, we ended up doing 41 videos oh, wow. about COVID. And they were so, it's, I just watched them again because they're actually really funny. And it was, I can't believe we all went through that. Like, I can't believe we were actually hoarding toilet paper in the beginning and like doing puzzles and lighting candles and all that <laughs> just yeah. kept going. But so, yeah, it spawned a lot of and stuff. That's on I've YouTube, never been more... those videos? Oh, it is. I'll send you guys a link. It's kind of funny. I mean, there it's called, you know, coronavirus isolation. With, I think that's it with Trisha and Alex. But, you know, they were, we just had the best time ever. So I hats off to you because it did it like, you just stuck in, I mean, I live in a garage. So like I had very little, you know, I can't go anyplace. And my both kids were home. It was the worst nightmare. This was supposed to be like an empty nester thing. And then I had a senior in high school and the other kid was like, I got kicked, you know, school's over, college is over. Right. I was sleeping in a bed with my daughter for like six months. I mean, it was, it was awesome. But yeah, it does make you a little more creative when you're trapped. Side. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was fun. I loved it. So uh, I mean, sorry, Alex, I when? When yeah, when can we look for ahead uh, of the class? When's that like? Coming I don't out? know. I'll find out. I was in episode one hundred and five, and they went out of order. But so I would, I don't know. I would assume this uh, in the fall because they're doing. I think there's ten. So and it's really funny. It was actually kind of great to watch them figure out what it's going to be. They don't want it to be the old one. It's not like they're trying to make it interesting. And these kids were great. There's two adults in their twenties who were playing teachers. They were both great. It was actually really. It got better and better as the week went on. They were just kind of figuring it all out, and it was sort of fun to be part of it. So I think probably the fall, but I'll find out. Sweet, but, yeah, that was cool. great. And, yeah, it was cool. So, cool. 
there well, you Alex, have it. Yeah, we uh, can't thank you enough again. Um, so much fun. Thank you. You were thank great. You. Mora will always live in, in, in Seinfeld lore. I mean, just a classic character on the show. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And if I can ever, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what I was going to say. If I can ever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll, 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 go on yeah. The, we'll go on your Corona show next time. You, That's you're right. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank that was you, great. Alex. Have Looking a great night. Thank Thanks, you so Alex. much. You too. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.